The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Now, Oma Jalili is coming to Ireland, specifically Derry and Belfast, the 24th and 25th of October, and then the following night, 26th in Vicker Street in Dublin, and then to the Galway Comedy Festival in the Town Hall on the 27th of October. And I am delighted to say that Omid joins me now on the line. Omid, you're very, very welcome to the show, and thanks a million uh, for speaking to us. We will talk about the shows and the tour in just a moment, but I, I've got to ask you, about football first and this VAR controversy because I know you, like uh, many of our listeners, um, incensed at what happened uh, last weekend between Liverpool and Spurs. We've had statements now from uh, the various parties. We've had the VAR audio released. What now, with a few days um, reflection, what is your view on all of this? Yes, this is a this is something I, I got involved with. When I, I didn't actually watch the game, but then I saw the highlights and I and I was Im, Im, immediately like, what the hell? Why are we not talking about this more? And I saw that Gary Neville had done some kind of U-turn and, and gone very corporate saying, you know, we messed up and that's enough. We just say, we're sorry, we messed up. And immediately I thought we're being sold some kind of lie. Something else has gone on because it's the same thing which we see. It's, I'm sorry, it's a very English thing. We, we had when we had with Brexit, you know, you, you know, we won, you lost, get over it, move on. Like as if it doesn't matter if it's a terrible mistake, we've mm-hmm. made our decision. And I knew this was completely wrong. So I wrote a big tweet about it, which got a lot of retweets, a lot of people talking. And one thing you should know, majority, all people, the majority of them are, the majority of all people are stupid. So you see, <laughs> it became tribal and it was, but it was actually, now we know what happened, that there was no communication. A perfectly good, and this has never happened before. People say always oh, happened before, but no, it hasn't. This is unprecedented. But I think what is really rankling me is that in the rules, the, the referee, there was a misunderstanding, but they carried on playing as if the goal was not given. And they said, it's, it's the law is that if you've played a few seconds on, it's just too late. The law says you, it is too late. And that is the thing that rankles this whole idea that you've made a mistake, but it's too late. We move on. There's no like, oh, ho, 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 whoa, whoa. There's a goal here. Doesn't matter if it's given 10 minutes later, you go back and you give the, you give the goal. All this stuff, it, it feeds into a certain society, which is all about you know, what we want, kind of immediate physical pleasure and we want immediate you know we just want to enjoy things in the moment and if you've missed it we move on people don't think about justice they don't think about what is correct and we're living in a post-truth world where we are sold alternative facts and we are being sold the alternative fact that Luis Diaz was offside and that goal was wrong so that is what I'm reacting to and it's not a tribal thing if you don't think this is a major problem in football then you shouldn't be a football fan. We saw Thiago Silva being whacked on the head by Vinicius. Just whacked. VAR check, nothing doing. That is assault. We saw, so what is going on? And I think that is something as a football fan and as someone who's older and wiser, if, you don't, if, you, if you're not interested in these things, I know older people, we become guardians of the game and we want to protect things. But if you're not interested in these things, get out the game now. We're not interested in you if you're interested in just wearing shirts and associating yourself with the club get out the game you shouldn't be even commenting 
on Twitter. That's how, that's what I feel about it. I don't know what you think. I don't, well, I just I find it fascinating the idea of 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 how tribalism and tribalism is part and parcel of football. You know, I know it has been. Yeah. It's it's one of the selling points. I mean, you know, down through the terraces, uh, going back kind of decades and decades and decades. So that's not new. But that the toxic tribalism or the idea that. Um, when uh, an injustice has been perpetrated, that you wouldn't yeah. be able to stand back and say, "All oh, right, well, that was an injustice." Like, and uh, you know, maybe I'm kind of I, I'm biased as an Arsenal uh, fan, but that Arsene Wenger could stand back a few years ago and say, "Well, listen, we, we'll give a replay, all right, in that match because you know, Canu and Overmars shouldn't have gone ahead and knocked that ball in against was it Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, they played um, in a cup game." Um, and they didn't give them the ball back after a throw-in uh, where the ball had been kind of intentionally kicked out. And, yes. he, he, you know, there, there was an ability to stand back and say, all right, OK, listen, that was that that was wrong. But now that we find ourselves in a society whereby you can celebrate an injustice um, and not even try to wrap it up as anything other than an injustice, but celebrate that injustice because it didn't happen to your tribe. And that, that is the sickness in our society. That is, you know, immediate physical gratification. That's immediately not trying to, like, you know, it's like you've crashed a car and you, someone's killed your family. Sorry, I made a mistake. We've got to move on. You, we made a mistake. We move on. That doesn't, no, you need answers. You, you, I, I, I suppose people reacted to the very extreme, extreme example I put with air crashes and looking at the black box recorder because I couldn't think of, in the moment, I couldn't think of another analogy. Someone said, really? You're comparing this to an air crash? I said, yes, yeah, sorry. Maybe I should have said the Nuremberg trials that they were trying to find some audio <laughs> to put some, you know, nuts to put Hermann Goering away. So I used a different analogy, which was even more extreme. But I think that the, 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 that sense of uh, um, justice not being served is something I think in the post-truth world um, with the whole thing of Brexit and Trump, I think that all, all, us older heads are uh, thinking there's a real rot in society and we have to stop it and it's being pushed along. When you look at all those Twitter accounts, they're all like, they're idiots. These people are pushing it and it does, it's, it's, it's not true. And actually all the experts now have said, you know, even, even Rodney Marsh thinks the game should be played again. Even Rodney, I'm not saying it should be played again. I'm just saying mm. that we should be looking at this, investigating it, and, and replaying the game should not be off the table. And do you see then comedy in that post-truth world as a, an escape from the kind of relentless nature of it or as a vehicle to kind of shine a light back on it? I think I've always seen comedy as never being an end in itself. It's a means to an end. And we're using comedy to shine an even bigger light on something. And I think that's what I've tried to do when I'm I've been dying to come to Ireland to present, um, I suppose, 60% of a show that I was touring, which finished in December of last year. It's moved on now. We're talking about other things. So I think it's a better show, but I've been dying to talk about, you know, you use comedy to shine lights on how we're living in a world where we have alternative facts. We have, it, it's, it's basically, um, we're trying to recover from this whole um, Trump Brexit nonsense where we were all told lies and gaslighted. So I think, yeah, comedy is a great way to at attack it and, and have a good time because at the end of the day, we're human beings. We love fun. We love to enjoy ourselves. And I come from Iran where we have an Islamic regime that is so anti-human, anti-fun, anti-laughter, anti-dancing. So um, I come with all guns blazing when it comes to entertainment. You know, you, you've done enough of these now, Omid, to know this is the part, because you mentioned coming to Ireland there, where I have to ask you a question about, find some connection with Ireland, get Omid to say something about Ireland. You actually lived in Ireland. 
You studied in Ireland. Yes. I was at the University of Ulster in Coleraine in uh, 85 to 88. So, and during the Troubles, which was an amazing, uh, amazing time because I remember telling my father, I said, should I really be going to Northern Ireland during the Troubles? He went, yeah, you'll be all right. It's like, you know, Beirut. Everyone thought that Beirut was, you know, being heavily bombed and there was all kinds of six day wars, 12 day wars. But when you go there, it's actually quite nice. But actually within, <laughs> within the first two days, I was called a Fenian Turk. And then days <laughs> after that, I saw in, in the toilets a British flag with excrement all over it. So I was immediately bombarded with all kinds of reminders. There are the troubles going on, yeah. Someone pulled a gun on you on the beach, is that right? Yes, Port Stewart Beach, a gun was... I not just pulled a gun. Amazingly, um, I found out that I, I was living on the prom, near the prom, just behind the prom in Port Stewart, um, and my landlady was the mother of the comedian Jim Owen, which I now found out about. So Jim Owen was, Jim Owen's mum was my, without knowing who he was, she was my landlady. And I used to go th throwing stones into the sea. And um, it was a time of heightened tension. Someone shouted at me and I went back and I had stones and I was threatening to throw stones. And they said, geez, boy, you better run. He's got a, he's got a gun. And I, I said, oh yeah. And the guy came back and started taking shots at me. <laughs> so it was incredible. And I, I reported it to the police the next day. And my, uh, no, sorry, excuse me. No, I did not report it to the police. I reported it to my professor who said, just be happy that you're alive because if we tell the IUC, someone will find out that and they will come and get you. So just put this down as a story you can talk about. I would give it about 10 years. He actually said, give it a few years. Maybe <laughs> when you left university, don't even talk about this. So I've broken my silence now. I can talk about it now because I can safely say that uh, they're not going to come after me now. It's, uh, Jim Owen, would you believe, is going to be on the show here on Friday. Uh, so oh, wow. <laughs> it's like that six degrees of separation. I don't know what we're down to. One or two degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah he's a great comic as well. That, I was so delighted. We were both so delighted that I found his mum was my landlady. He's great. I, I really uh, give him my love if you, if you see him. Yeah, well, we will. Absolutely. Uh, so listen, I mentioned all the, the gigs coming up. Um, up in the north in Derry and Belfast and then here in Dublin and over in Galway as well um, at the Comedy Festival. I mean, it, like you're, you're very much, do you see yourself, and I, I, I would take it from having spoken to you now, um, that this is how you see yourself as a comedian who kind of, who does acting rather than an actor who kind of does a bit of stand-up. Well, I started off as an actor, but then when I fell into stand-up comedy, I didn't realise that just me with my background, it's quite a political statement so it was stand-up comedy that got me to work with Whoopi Goldberg in America because I got a deal with NBC after they'd seen me at the Edinburgh Festival and uh and Whoopi actually told me she said look even if our show becomes extremely successful and you may not have to work anymore you should still do stand-up and I said why she said because for your people meaning brown people I said, what do you mean brown people she goes well we're black people you're brown people just suck <laughs> it up and uh she goes for your people you are the first so you are in a sense, the Richard Pryor uh, of brown people. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, Richard Pryor was the first who really did stand-up comedy and, and and was able to connect with the white audience and then with America and then did his own authentic stuff, which then inspired lots of people. She goes, you have to do the same thing. You've got to keep going, keep being better and better until you um, feel you've inspired enough people. And actually, I'm so happy to see people like Guz Khan, who does Man Like Mabin. You've got Ramesh Ranganeh. Nathan, a lot of people who send me lovely messages and they call me the OG just by just by dint of the fact that I was the first. So, uh, and so, so in a sense that that is 
with all the responsibility that comes with being the first, I would like to, I would like to think I've become more mature in my approaches to comedy. I still hope it's funny, but it's not the crazy Tasmanian devil I used to be <laughs> alive at the Apollo. This very overweight, balding, mentally ill person <laughs> who was just very unconscious and just did stuff to get laughs. I think I'm a bit, I'm a bit different now, but I think the show is, uh, the show is more like an Irish show. Whenever you, like you go and watch Tommy Tiernan or Darrow, especially Tommy, you feel like you've read a really good book. Yeah. And I think there, there's something very special about, and those Irish comedians have really influenced me as well. I'm very lucky to call those guys my friends. And um, so, yeah, it's a bit more thoughtful comedy now. So that, that's all I hope to do. Yeah, well, listen, you, you, you describe it really well and there are tickets still available. Uh, that's the good news, the bad news. Uh, they are selling fast. So Derry and Belfast, the 24th and 25th and then the 26th, 27th of October, Vicker Street in Dublin and the Town Hall at the Galway Comedy Festival. If you want to see uh, the man, you could describe him as Iranian British, the Fenian Turk or the Richard Pryor of brown people. Oma <laughs> Gilelli, it's it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, Kieran, just to say, no, tickets are not going fast because I asked how many have we sold at the Millennium Forum and they said you've sold enough DNA to make a whole person and a leg. So I, I, I do need, I, I would like to get enough DNA, DNA maybe to get some nether regions in there as well. So <laughs> All right, okay. Get okay. the word out. <laughs> we'll get that word out. Omid, a pleasure. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you, Kieran. Take care. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.